Dragged into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 18 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. I'm Brian O'Grady. It's bright and early here in Japan. With me is Justin Ayers. As always, J.A., what's going on, dude? I'm really good, man. I'm, I'm glad to see you, you, you know, wide and awake this morning, ready to do a little podcasting and start your day off. Uh, but... I have something really quick off the top for everybody. And this just might be called like, you know, a quick rant. I need to get something off my chest and I want to talk about something. Uh, this, this goes out to ESPN and Sunday night baseball in particular. Uh, please stop putting microphones on players during the games. I've watched tens of thousands of games without them before, uh, without having players mic'd up before this. It's cringy. These guys don't like to talk. The questions are trash. And I'm going to point you case in point to last Sunday night's uh, Mets and Angels game. I'm sitting there and watching it with my dad and they stick a microphone on the least electric human to play baseball. It is Mike Trout. And so Mike Trout gets up there and they, they cut the mic off. He's at the plate and he like strikes out on like a check swing. And then like he gets the dugout and he obviously doesn't want to talk. And then there's Carl Ravitch like, hey, what, what did you see on that fastball down the middle that you didn't hit? And then Trout has to answer questions about that. And then like their, their list of questions for Mike Trout was like, so you like the weather, huh? That was literally a question. It's because he's friends with Jim Cantori, the weather guy. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, I love following the weather, blah, blah, blah. Riveting television. And then they, they asked him, they had to ask him about the fantasy football stuff with our guy, Tommy Pham, calling him the worst commissioner ever. And you could tell Trout wanted nothing to do with it, but he stuck around. And then he just kind of went into his little turtle shell and just said about three words to every question. So uh, these guys don't like being mic'd up during games. It's distracting. It's uncomfortable. It's cringy. And they pick the worst ones. So uh, I need to get that off my chest. I've been stewing on it since Sunday night. Um, you know, just I, this is my little therapy session. So I appreciate it. Miking up players is, I don't know. It's, it's tough because it's, it's just so weird in the middle of the game because you're, you're playing and yeah, especially hitting, like you don't want to be mic'd up talking to people while you're hitting. Like it's hard enough. I know like, Todd Frazier did it before and it was a pretty good one and he had a hit. Like there's some, some good examples of it, but I, I nope. I don't think any player is going to be like, yeah, like I want to be mic'd up for the game. You know, they don't want to, if they're asked, they might like reluctantly kind of accept, but no one's going to be like, yo, let me be mic'd up. Come on. Like, please let me do it. You know, because then you got to watch what you're saying. You got to like, it can't be yourself, most likely. It's I I get why they're doing it, but I also I also agree with your rant. It's so distracting because you're right. It's like these guys, like I mean, they don't talk to them while they're hitting. Thank God. That would be. I think they do that in the All Star game. I, I want to say maybe Freddie Freeman had that during the All Star game, but like that's the All Star game. It doesn't really count. This is like meaningful, like pennant chase altering yeah. baseball, and then it's like. And even even when they, they're not mic'd up, you still got to, like, ask them about, like, every time they're mic'd up, it's just something tragic happens. It's like they strike out or, like, they, they do something dumb. And then it's always Carl Ravitch with, uh, what'd you see there? It's like, come on, man. I don't like this. 
I, I feel bad. So my heart goes out for anybody that's mic'd up. And then they always do the thing where it's like, who do you want to be mic'd up next week? It's like, how about no one, Carl? How about literally no one? You guys have the mics. That's your job. So it's it's so bad. Uh, so just yeah, oh, Carl, Carl Ravage, chill out. Anywho, um, we have some news this week. <laughs> Segway out of that. Uh, we'll start us off with some news this week. Padres, your San Diego Padres, red hot acting manager, Ryan Flaherty. I'm just going to put my, I'm going to write his name in for manager of the year. Now, um, maybe I put that out as a tentative, uh, because they're tied for first in the NL West after, uh, you know, their win against the Cubs here last night. So, uh, if you had to make the call right now, I mean, what what are we thinking for NL West? I'm just going to do it, man. I'm going with the pods. Going with the pods, you know the the Dodgers are very good, but they're uh, the Padres. Fernando Tatis has yet to step on the field, and they're now tied in first place. Um, they've just played. They they figured out ways to to win games, man. They've uh, they've done really well. Flash Manager of the Year, really happy for him. But they, uh, I don't know, man. It's it seems like the Padres last year, there was so much like hype and stuff going on about it too. This year, it seems like it's a little more calmed down for them, even though they're playing really well. And the Dodgers just, uh, I don't know, man, they, something seems like it. I, this sounds ridiculous kind of because they're still in first place and they're the fucking Dodgers with that lineup, but it something seems off Bueller's now Bueller's down for a while. I mean, could be. We'll see how he progresses too, but it could be even longer than what they're saying. But he's shut down for, I forget how long. So he's got to ramp all the way back up after. So he's down for a while. Kershaw hasn't been hasn't been throwing, so he's kind. Of, I think he's back now, or he's coming back soon. But Muncie's struggling. Bellinger is not still not, you know, Cody Bellinger. They're just I don't know, man. It just seems like there's some some chinks in the armor there. I, I, something I, I saw people were mad at Trey Turner for not running or something with two outs and he didn't score. And he said, I don't I don't even know that I it was weird. I don't I don't even know the whole scenario. I think they were down two runs or something, or maybe it was more. And he was like, Basically, afterwards, he was like, my run doesn't mean anything. And people were, like, mad about that. I don't know. It just seems like uh, the Dodgers are uh, in a weird spot, even though they're in first place still, and they have Mookie Betts. Uh, but I'm going to take the pods. I'm right there with you. I just I love the way the Padres have assembled this super deep rotation where you got guys like Mackenzie Gore has been shoving. you Darvish Max last night. unreal. Get, it's been – like, they just, they just tried out these guys, and, you know, Snell is – I, Snell's getting back up there to his old form again. And, um, you know, Clevenger, I think, is out right now, maybe on COVID something. But, you know, that's another arm when healthy is going to be fantastic. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I'm rolling right there with the Padres and, and our guy Flash. Our sponsor for the show, the original Fudge Kitchen. You can find them at Fudge Kitchens with an S. That's fudgekitchens.com. Selling all sweets and treats. They ship all over the country. Saltwater taffy, fudge. If you are one of our Philadelphia area or Jersey Shore listeners, they have stores all down the shore. 
uh, Cape May, Ocean City, North Wildwood, Wildwood, Stone Harbor. If you're down there, go check them out. The best summertime uh, treats. That is the original Fudge Kitchen, and you can find them at fudgekitchens.com. What's our fudged up moment of the week, J.A.? So this is also going to be sticking with the Padres. This one goes out to the bad visual that Robinson Cano put out on the internet. So Robinson Cano was a Padre for, I think it was like 12 games. He hit under 100. They, they cut him. He tested free agency for a week, and then he's like, you know what? I'll come back. I'll take the minor league deal. He went to the El Paso Chihuahuas, and his very first game in AAA, like he's been in AAA, you know, maybe on a rehab assignment, but never like sent down to AAA in a while. His very first game, he was forced to wear the SpongeBob SquarePants jersey night jersey. And it was just hilarious. This guy who has like almost 3,000 hits, he has like 300 something home runs in the show. He's like a decorated, like one of the sweetest swings in baseball. And the very first game of the minors, it's like theme night. He's wearing SpongeBob. So it was, that was tough. That was tough. To, that was tough for Robbie. Yeah, that's a that's a welcome back to the to the minor leagues moment for sure. They, uh, you never know what jerseys they're going to whip out there uh, in the minor leagues. I mean, I don't think when I was in El Paso, I don't think we wore uh, SpongeBob jerseys. We did wear margarita jerseys that were li- like literally highlighter yellow. Like sure, like pants and top, not just like top, like pants too. And the pants were brutal, but uh, you couldn't miss us running around out there on the field. So, um, yeah, they just man, they'll uh, they'll they'll put you in anything to, to try to sell some some tickets down there. It was just so funny. The timing could not have been worse for him. <laughs> I'm sure he. I'm He's sure he like, doesn't love yeah being there in the first place. And then it's like, oh, by the way, yeah. SpongeBob. He's like, man sitting there he's like i gotta wear this fucking two flap helmet again the old minor league helmet and you're gonna make me put a fucking spongebob jersey on are you kidding me poor robbie no nah, not poor robbie he's he's fine yeah he's doing just fine he'll figure it out he'll be right he'll be good as gold you know he's probably got several hundred million in the bank he's fine uh but i, I that was that was a very funny visual uh, I did have one yeah, last, sorry. last news thing for us, and it goes out to guest in front of the podcast, Frank the Tank Schwindel. So on Sunday, the Cubs and Yankees were playing. Yankees were blowing them out. It was 17 to four when they called on Frank to pitch in the eighth. And Frank pit through, I don't even know what kind of pitch this is. Ephus, I don't know what he was doing, but it was 35.1 miles per hour is what it was clocked at. And Kyle Higashioka smacked it for a home run. And... Mm-hmm. We made history. That was the slowest ever recorded pitch to be hit for a home run. So uh, shout out, Frank. You finished the inning. But, yeah, what a what, what a sight that was. It's kind of impressive all around because, Frank, I don't know how you throw a pitch that slow and it's, like, remotely by the plate. That's unreal. I'm sure that's what, it, like, he was trying to throw it as slow as he possibly could. That's wild. Higashioka hitting it out is might be more fucking wild. I don't really know how you do that. I would, there's no way I could do that, but I'm just thinking that whole scenario, Frank's not too far from home in, in New Jersey and he's on the mound in Yankee stadium throwing 35 mile an hour fucking softballs in there, which is hysterical now that I think about it. But uh, I don't know, man, I, the pit, the, the position player thing, pitching, is, is getting a lot of hand in my opinion in um in the, in the major leagues like uh you know 
Dave Roberts try to bring in somebody when they were down like five runs or something, and then they wouldn't let them. Yep. I mean, if if it's a if it's a I don't know what the score that I think I think that the game Frank pitched in was pretty well out of hand there. Uh, I know, like when yeah, yeah. I know, like when the like Yachty pitched or Pujols pitched, they were blowouts. But I, it's 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 not it's. I think it's losing its. I don't, I don't even know what the what the right word is. Like it's not it's. You don't go to a baseball game to see a, pis, a, pis, a position player up there throwing fucking forty miles an hour or something. Like that's not why you're there. So it's just it's way too common in my opinion these days. Or people just want to do it to save their bullpen. It's, I don't like it. it, it they're in, I don't know what, I don't know what they should do, but something's gotta be done. Cause it's, it's, it's getting a little out of control. And I, I just hate saying it because it's, it's just not, it's just not real. They just matters trying to save a bullpen instead of sending a guy down or, or I don't even, you know, whatever, just trying to give guys more rest and, I just don't. I just don't think it's good for the game. I I'm right there with you. If you're watching it on TV, you would have changed the channel. If you're at the game and it's probably late, you would have left probably by then anyway. Um, but if you had to be an emergency pitcher, first of all, have you ever had to be an emergency pitcher? No, I have not actually done it. I almost did it in Cincinnati, but they let uh, Kyle Farmer do it instead, and I was very glad because I don't know, dude. I think it's a lot of pressure. I, I like because it sucks, and then you're. I'd be. I'm scared that a ball's just gonna get smoked right back at me. One and two. I would like softball, and I would like throw it, and I would like back off the mound, and be ready for it to be like hit your position. Yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. And then you don't want to not throw strikes, but it's not that easy when you're just like. 35 mile an hour in a ball in there to throw a strike. So it's just like a lose-lose situation all around, I feel like. How fast could you throw it if you did have to do that? Oh, God, if I really tried? Yeah, well, like what's your fastball, you think? That's a really good question. I have not thrown a ball from the mound as hard as I could in a long time. Uh, Back in the day, the last time I I threw hard, I was like 87, 88. But that was – that was like sophomore year of college. Oh. Yeah. So I haven't – and my I literally – I threw 13 pitches in bullpen trying to hit 90 in summer ball. In college. And I, it was like 87, 88 the entire time. And my arm hurt for the next like two months after that. I'm not even kidding. You had to get <laughs> so, Tommy John. Yeah. yeah, dude. It was killing me. But that – yeah, that was a long time ago. I don't know – uh I don't know what I got left in the tank anymore. I'm, I, I try to throw as little as possible and save my bullets for the game. Put it that way. I dig it. Yeah. Cause you got a lot of practice stuff going on there. Uh, all right. Two last things. And then we'll get everybody to the interview this week. Uh, we have the guest performance of the week. And this one goes out to friend of the podcast, Texas Rangers first baseman, Nathaniel Lowe. So I saw a graphic. I was watching the Rangers game last night. This guy's month of June has been incredible. 341 average, four home runs, six RBIs. He's slugging 682, and his OPS is 1037. So shout out Nathaniel Lowe. You said you were talking to him, just mashing the ball. Yeah, I mean, ever since he came on here, I'm not. We're, we're not going to take all the credit for 
for what he's done. But I think we we helped him just bring it out a little bit more. You know, obviously he's the one doing it, but I think I think we helped him just really find himself come out of his shell. Yeah, just a little bit, you know. But yeah, I've uh, we've been talking because I, you know, uh, after we did the interview with him, I texted him again and you know just said thanks, whatever, man. You know, it was great. And I I said like hit a homer or something like that, and then lo and behold. No pun intended right there. But uh, lo and behold, that night, I see it. He had a homer, so I texted him again, and I was like, shit, man, guess you got to keep coming on pod. And he was like, you know, should I just be like a, a weekly segment, or, or how do you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> so we just – and obviously, he's just been hitting really well since then, and um, it's kind of coincided with me turning it on too. So we just kind of been joking about that, but yeah, really happy for him, man. He's um been waiting to see it more, man. He's got, he's got power. He really like, he's got pop. So he's, uh, but he loves being a, a hitter first. So he, he, he doesn't worry about that stuff, but now we see it both sides. He's, he's being a hitter and that, that power is coming out. Just, just pumped for him to, uh, to see that happening. He's the best. Yeah. I mean, his swing, he's got so much power and that you could tell, even when he like, he, he swung the bat so hard it flew out of his hands last night. I put it on Twitter, but he like had the most earnest reaction. He was like, oh my God, <laughs> like <laughs> threw the bat almost at the guy behind him. Uh, he no. swings a log too. Yes, the big does. bat he swings. Yeah, no, that guy's the best. Uh, all right, last up for everybody. We're going to do our top five for the week. This week we have the top five best baseball ballparks. Uh, so I, I'll start us off and then you can give us your list. For, I'm going to go five through one. Number five, I'm going to Petco Park. I, I just think through this podcast, through osmosis, maybe I've become a, a bigger Padres fan. So love watching Petco and, and Brian can speak to obviously playing there. Number four is going to be the rival, the Dodgers, Dodger Stadium. Uh, I just so much history. You could just think of Vince Scully on the radio and, and no hitters and World Series. So got to have Dodger Stadium in there. Number three is going to be Wrigley. I just, there's something about the Ivy. And I know it takes like two months for the Ivy to physically grow in there, but I don't know. There's just old school, the bleachers, the cup snakes. I love everything about Wrigley. Number two, I'm going hometown Baltimore <laughs> Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Uh, the ballpark that changed baseball, I think, is its moniker. Just awesome. Boog's uh, Barbecue, the warehouse. And then number one, and I'm wearing the shirt today in honor of this, it's going to be PNC Park for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You cannot beat the view of the city of Pittsburgh from PNC Park there's like there's there's hardly any seats in there, so there's not a bad view. It's just beautiful. So that is my top five. Those are all those are all definitely good ones. I I, I can't argue with you there. Have you been to Dodger Stadium? I haven't. That's definitely on the bucket list. Yeah, I, I ended up somehow not playing there last year, so I haven't either. But the rest of them I've played in, and they're all. They're all great. I will, your little little your little hometown favorite there, but they're all they're all great. Mine are number five. My, mine's a mine are an interesting mix, but number five is going to be the Rangers' new stadium, which I believe is Globe Life. Is it Field or Park? Field? I get them mixed up. I believe. Yeah, I'm not sure, but whatever. That place is. I mean, it, it's an impressive new place. I love the indoor, outdoor, um, whatever one it, it is. It's it's just a beautiful new stadium, man. It's gigantic. It's just 
The facilities there are great. Uh, just a really cool place. It's right next to Cowboy Stadium, which is a monstrosity, by the way. I don't know if you ever get down there. Uh, it's crazy. But that's my number five. Number four, another newer stadium. I believe it's Truist Park, Atlanta Braves. Yep. Their new stadium, man, beautiful. Uh, right field, short porch, just a really cool-looking place up there. The whole, like, around around it is just it is a cool area. It's not situated right, like, in Atlanta, which is cool. Um, just, a, just a really nice park, really nice facilities, everything. Uh, loved, loved playing in Atlanta. Number three, we're going to go with Fenway because Fenway is Fenway. Now, the only – the only reason it's probably not number two or maybe even number one on my list is because when I was there, it was the COVID year. So there were no fans. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't get the full experience, but Fenway is Fenway's Fenway, man. The green monster just, it's just so it's like the aura of the stadium. It's just so cool. Um, Red Sox, man, that's, it's what a place, but uh, number two, Wrigley Field for me. Um, Wrigley, every, I've, you, I mean, you said it. It's just the old school. It's how baseball should be, man. It's just uh, the – you see this, the seats across the – you know, outside the stadium, across the street, and people sitting up there watching the game. The Ivy, I've, I hit that brick trying to catch a Kyle Schwarber line drive. It did not feel good, but – Really good, just a cool place, man. Uh, the state, like it's this, the seats are so dark, and then the field is so like lit, and the atmosphere and the, the fans feel like they're on top of it. It's just, it's, a, it's an amazing place for sure. And then, number one, man, I sound like I'm just playing to the, some of our listeners here, but I, Peco Park is number one for me. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, Playing there is the best. The stadium itself is beautiful. San Diego, the weather, like during the summer, it's just – you can't beat it. It's just perfect. You see people out, on, like, outside the stadium or on the hill watching the game. The crowds have been electric there. They love it. I mean, San Diego loves the Padres. It's just – it's a perfect place, man. Beautiful facilities are great. And I remember sitting there talking to Joe Musgrove and being like, dude, looking around like anywhere you play after this is just kind of going to suck because this is so nice. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? And he's just like, yeah, man, like this is, this is, this is it. And so Peco is uh Peco's number one for me. Peco is, is, is just awesome. So that's, that's my five. I like that. Yeah. You know, mine are from the fans perspective. Cause yeah, you're right. It's got to have it. I, I take into thing like I take into account different factors than what you did, which is interesting. It's cool. So yeah, let, let us know on uh, social media at breaking bats pod. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Who won uh, all that fun stuff? So yeah, that was, that was our top five for this week. PNC is, I mean, PNC is beautiful. No, no doubt about it too. PNC is a good spot, but yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of nice stadiums out there. There really is. It's uh there's not too many bad stadiums. Put it put it that way. Our guest for this week, the Reds writer from the Athletic, C. Trent Rosecrans, my good buddy. Uh, man, awesome episode. 
talked about a lot of stuff, tough for a while. So this is going to be a longer one, but uh, just a lot of interesting stuff in there. Stuff about the Hall of Fame I found really interesting too. He's one of the, the writers and the voters for the Hall of Fame. So that was cool to hear some of those little things. Uh, but just in general, man, a lot of kind of state of the Reds, um, a lot of stories from from when I was when I was there and, and things that things that were going on. We kind of all of a sudden, you know, it was a half hour in and we, me and him were just kind of bullshitting about stuff and hadn't even really gotten into anything yet. And I was like, Oh, Oh God. Uh, so, but a lot of fun, uh, really good dude. Um, what'd you enjoy about it? It just, yes, yeah, just the stories. Like he's so well connected. I feel like it's, he's just like, you know, dropping like, yeah, I was talking to Ken Griffey the other day and have yeah, me Barrett, <laughs> me and Barry Larkin were shooting the shit. And I'm like, what? It's insane. Uh, just the well, most well-connected Cincinnati sports figure guy. It's it was awesome. So yeah, people are really gonna love it. Yeah, he's he's been there for for a while. So definitely, our Cincinnati fans are, are are gonna enjoy this one. But yeah, overall, it's just a, it's good baseball stories. And I was cracking up. Ken Griffey Jr. is my favorite player of all time, and I, I haven't gotten to meet him. Uh, I got to meet Senior. And I got to know Senior pretty well while I was with Cincinnati coming up. He used to help out in minor leagues. But uh, that's funny that uh, Junior is such a big Star Wars fan and that they were talking about that stuff. So that, that, that's a good story for people to listen out to. But, uh, yeah, we'll just we'll, – uh, we'll go right to it, to our interview with uh, Trent Rosecrans from The Athletic. All right, and today with us on Breaking Bats, we have – the athletic writer for the Reds, C. Trent Rosecrans, my buddy. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Great. Good to see you. What time is it over there? It's... It is 11.10 p.m. Okay. Now. That, that sounds about right. Yes, but I am – I'm. I, I, it's Monday here. We're off on Mondays. And this week we just finished interleague play. So they actually – they give a couple days off in case of rainouts. We didn't get rained out. So we actually don't play until Friday. Again, I'm off tomorrow, too, and then we're practicing for two days before we pick play back up. That's, yeah, that's, well, so that's one of my favorite things about Japanese baseball, practice. Yep, practice. Like, so It's so different. <laughs> were you prepared for to, this? No, I was not. But I will – let me for everybody listening, as we just told J.A. before this, Trent – Lived in Japan, went to high school in Japan. How, how long did you live in Japan? Just two years. But uh, two my years. junior and senior years of high school. So he has a good idea of, of baseball, of Japan in general. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but it's still pretty similar. Um, things yeah. don't – like, it's funny. Like, Japan, like, so much changes so quickly and so little changes at all. Um, so, like, the technology yeah. is always moving. There's – Buildings are always changing. Neighborhoods are changing. All that is, but like the core always seems to say the same. Yeah, they definitely, I think, I mean, it's still just very traditional. They still just do things. Some of the things they do is just because that's the way it's, it's been done. And yeah, Um, I wrote a, um, so in college I was a history minor and I had a class um, Japan and the samurai where it was just like, we watched a lot of cool movies, um, but we did a lot of uh, studying about the samurai and feudal history and blah, blah, blah. Well, we, we had a, basically that professor, I had him for many classes. 
um, Dr. Carl Friday, he, um, like everything was, I think like that one, I think 90% of our grade was one paper. And I wrote about uh, like the Japanese baseball players, the modern day samurai and like the, you know, Bushido, the codes, the, the practices, all these things, all these parallels. Um, the fucking sacrifice bunt. Oops. Can I say that? Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah. Sacrifice bunts, which uh, I, I, there's, they're less now than they used to be, but you've still seen some crazy sacrifices. Haven't you? Like, are, are you kidding me? Yeah. I've seen, uh, they're definitely more common here. It hasn't happened lately. And I can't remember if it was preseason or if it was during the season, but there was one time, where another team sack bunted with a runner on first and one out. And that's when I was like, wow, like this is, that doesn't happen in the United States. It didn't work. That out was the one time. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm sure it didn't, but who knows? But yeah, when they did, I'm in the outfield. I was like, wow. Okay. That was uh that was different right there. Yeah. You take the out. <laughs> yeah. They, um, it's, it's funny, man. I, like, I'm so used to everything now that I don't even I don't even think about the differences as much. Honestly, like from batting practice, how different batting practice is here, and you know, you said practice, <laughs> practice in in general. You know, we don't. There's no show and goes here. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, the uh, the weekends are, which isn't terrible either. I would. It would be nice. The The Saturday and Sunday games are a little rougher. Saturday's 2 o'clock, so it's night game to day game. So if we're at home, I'm up pretty early for the, you know, for myself during the season. It's like 7 a.m. because I got to take the train and stuff. And then Sunday is like 6 a.m. because we're on the – I'm on the field at 9.15. So that's – I wish I could sleep a little more for my, my I, beauty rest, but yeah, you know, I can see Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer in the, the field at nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, but they, those guys, I can't even complain because I, I, some of these other guys, man, they're like, first of all, most of them live in Tokyo. So it's an hour drive for them to get there. So they drive back after the game and then they got to drive there in the morning again. And they do, like four times the stuff that I'm doing. Right. I don't even know some of the stuff that they make the, the younger guys do like to get ready for all that. So I don't know how those, I'm tired. I don't know how those guys are, are doing any of it. So I, I can't complain at all. That's awesome. No, like I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, so like I always kind of think about guys when they go over there and I've known several and the people who have the most success are the ones who just embrace it. And so that's why, like, you know, this last year, you know, I, I knew you were going over and I knew, like, that's a good fit. Um, Jesse Biddle, um, that's a good fit, you know, yep. and, and it's the people who, like, go over there and, like, I don't have anything else to do. I don't have any other offers. Those guys really struggle. Yeah. And, and, and for the guys that, like, yourself are going, like, hey, I'm going over here. Let me, let me embrace it all. Let me embrace it all. Um, whether it's it's Japan or Korea, you know, Dan Straley was in Korea for a while and just I just caught up with Dan the other day. Um, just crush it because they're like, you know, you have to be in a good mindset like this. The game is so hard and it's so like beats you down. 
that if you're in a bad mindset about where you're living or where you're playing, you're screwed. You're already, you're in an O2 count. If, yeah. if you, if you just have a bad attitude about where you are. Um, and, and like, you see that in the upper minors too. Like you can think of all the triple A guys who are just there. They're mad. And it's like, you've already got a strike on you. Why would you do that to yourself? You're, I mean, you couldn't be more right about both of them. Absolutely. When I asked Scott, because seeing good players come over here that I've played against and not do well at all, like do very poorly. And um, I was trying to figure out why, because obviously I didn't, I didn't want that to happen. Right. And that was really the answer that I got was because they or not because they did that, but that the players who have the most success are the ones who embrace it and are open to all the stuff. And yeah, you're right about the upper minors too. I mean, listen, I've been there. It sucks going up and down. It's not, it's not fun to go back to AAA, but yeah, I mean, you're there. What are you going to do? You're going to be mad and stink and your performance is going to suffer because you're mad about that. No, you have to, you got to figure out your way to, you know, have fun still and, and be a good teammate and have fun with, with your teammates. Cause that's huge. You know, you got to find the guys who, if you're not one of those guys, like Blake Trahan was always a guy like that. You know, if I was pissed off, Blake would say, so I would just start cracking up because Blake I mean, is that one guy's of the, the best. Oh my God. The, the characters that you meet in this game. Like it, it, yeah, Blake is one of a freaking kind. Um, no doubt. Uh, and no like doubt. you, you Chris. understood about half of what he said. Um, like, you know, this, <laughs> all the Latin guys have interpreters. You have an interpreter now. Blake oh could have used God. an interpreter. <laughs> I know, right? J.A. <laughs> J- so Blake Trahan. Yeah, he's from, uh, he's from Louisiana, man. Little dude was a great shortstop. Great shortstop. He, uh, he went to ULF yet and is like straight up Cajun. And yeah, some stuff you like, he's, he would, I played with him for, for, I don't even know, f- at least four years. And s- there were still things he would say to me. And I'd look at him and be like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you just said to me. <laughs> like, it's like, and, but he was just, I, he, you know, he made it to the big leagues, got there a little bit and he, he retired, man. He's, he's funny, but, uh, he just uh, was always every day, man. Like one of his favorite things he would say would come in and he walked like he walked like he was this gigantic, like six five, just brick house. And he was like, I don't know, five ten, like smaller dude, like built good, but just like this, just his presence. He'd come in and be like, "It's opening day!" Like yelling, just all excited every day. And he'd be hitting like two twenty every day. Same guy, didn't matter. But he was the best, man. I'll never forget. He gave a speech when we were in Daytona about palm trees, saying how when it, when it's stormy, they just sway in the wind. They don't they don't fall. They just sway in the wind, and that was his metaphor of <laughs> when you're struggling. That's what you gotta. That's what you gotta do. But when he when he when he first came to, uh, we were in Daytona, and that team was loaded uh, in fifteen. That was like it was. I went up, and it was like Amir Amir Garrett. Nick Travieso, Chad Wallach, Joe Hudson, Blandino, Sparks, like that whole crew of prospects back then. And uh, Dahl, Carlton Dahl got hit in the face by a pitch in the right before the playoffs. So Trey Hannon just gotten drafted, was in short season, J.A., and they brought him up to play shortstop for us in the playoff run. 
And he didn't say like a word. Like you couldn't get a word out of him back then. Go to spring training the next year, and he was his normal. Like he was like too scared because he had just gotten drafted or whatever. So the next year, I go back to spring training. I'm like, dude, where was this for the last three weeks last year? You didn't say anything. You know, it's amazing. Like I, I, I believe this with, you know, since I've been around baseball, I believe this so much. If you're a good dude, your career will be longer. There, you know, like you, you see guys and you're like, you know what? He's going to be in the big leagues two years longer than he should, just because everybody likes him. He's smart. He does what's asked, always has a good attitude. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's playing great right now, but Kyle Farmer is one of those guys. You know, um, there's, it always seems like they're catchers like that because catchers are smart, you know, <laughs> like a triple-A catcher who's going to get called up back and forth all the time. Corky Miller is the king of this. Oh, Corky. Corky, like, this is kind of what you were going. My favorite Corky story. Um, spring training, you know, you're there, and there's this place between the two big league fields at the Reds complex where there are always autograph people, people looking for autographs and signing. Hey, hey, Brian, Brian, O'Grady, O'Grady, can you sign? And um, I, don't, I don't remember who it is, and it's probably best that I don't remember. Like, these two guys just kind of walk, and they're just complaining, like, ugh, these people are always here always just bugging me and blah 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 corky just looks at him and goes don't like it play worse and walks away (laughs) buzz is the best man that guy is gold he's unbelievable um uh, reds organization as a coach um and and like when corky's there everybody's happy Um, there's what the other thing is is like corky there's no shit with corky He's one of those guys that, like, you know, you can be the highest prospect and you'd be like, yeah, he's not good enough. And he doesn't care. He's not going to baby anybody. They're all the same. Everybody's the same. You have to perform. You have to be good. He's going to tell you what you've messed up. He doesn't care about your feelings. Um, and, and that's what makes him valuable. And that's what made him valuable as a player. That's why he played for so long. And he had, you know... When you're up in those upper minors and you're a free agent, you know, you can make some decent money, not like big league money, but there are guys who earn some money just because of what they do. And Corky was that guy for years because it was like another coach um, that you could have at AAA. And, you know, the people who are bitching about it, Corky's not going to, not going to deal with that. Any young pitchers, Corky's going to make them better. Young catchers, Corky's going to make them better. And I, 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 that those are the best people in the game, and that's what is fun to be around is those guys who make everyone else better. That's really well said. Buzz is Buzz is one of a kind. All those things are true. We could we could do an entire episode worth of Buzz stories without oh, a doubt. But I bet his uh, yeah, we'll just. Corky, a good way to sum it up is that quote is uh, and uh, in Louisville, there's three numbers retired. Retired. It's it's Jackie Robinson, uh, Pee Wee Reese, and Corky Miller. Those are the three numbers that are retired at at Louisville Stadium. Just the that's that's Corky. Corky Miller is a legend there. Tyler Stevenson wears 37 because that's what Corky Miller wore. <laughs> so I mean, I you have that. this stud, you know, yeah. catcher, top prospect, first round draft pick. 
wearing a weird number like 37 because that's what Corky Miller wore. Because of Corky. What a guy. I do miss – I miss talking to Corky. All, like, just when he would come come around to wherever I was, man, it, it was. It was the best. He would make it so much better. Um, God, I love that. But how did – so how did we originally meet? When did – was it not I, until AAA or big league camp when we first really started talking? I don't know. I mean, it might have been double A's, triple A. I always make a point to go down to the minors. You know what I think it was? Was uh, St. Patty's Day. And my last name. I that's think what that's it was. how yeah. we somehow yeah. got I was connected. Like, I'm always looking for like weird angles. And I was like, of course, this guy is like, this is like the best because the Reds always wear the green jerseys and have O'Grady. I mean, it's yep. just perfect. And so like I started talking to you and then like you're in the minors and I talked to you uh, all time best. I'm doing this story about Luis Castillo. Yeah, um, there it is. And, this was coming. And I text and I text like, hey, Shot in the dark, you were on this team when Castillo was pitching for the other team and there was the nastiest brawl. You got a couple minutes. And, like, Brian's like, oh, hell yeah. I've, I've just finished the game. After I get changed, give me a call. Like, okay, cool. Who does this? Brian O'Grady does this because he's the best. And so we chatted. And, like, the stories you told me of that one, That's that was in Daytona, right? Yep, that was Daytona. I told J.A. about that that brawl. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think earlier that year, I think that's when I started to play pretty well and we were talking a little bit. And then, yeah, I yeah. remember sitting in my apartment in Louisville and getting that text, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was there. <laughs> but, like, I love, like, going down the minors. I'm always on the backfields during spring training. Um, cause like the, 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 the main games are boring. And so like, you know, you go down and you see some of these guys, like, I remember the first time I saw Billy Hamilton, like vividly. I bet. Uh, because like what it was, was, was one of those, you know, you watch enough games, you expect certain things. So I see, I, I, I see him hit the ball to, to like, I think it was left center and I'm watching the ball. And then my, my, my gaze goes to like, oh, there'll be a play at second, you know, and watch him pull into second. And like, I, I go from the ball over here and I'm like, he's not there. I look back and then I'm like, oh, he's there. <laughs> and it was just like, oh crap, that's different. Um, you know, a, a kid I saw this year um, by the name of Ellie De La Cruz. He is just I heard that name. Uh, date right now. Is this like six five shortstop, skinny as a rail, but like seventy plus power, seventy plus speed? Um, you know, like the other day in Dayton, I saw this one where it's like he got fooled on a changeup and just kind of flips it. That goes four hundred feet to left center. He's a lefty, <laughs> or he's a switch hitter, and he's batting lefty. And it was like. Oh God. And like, I don't know. I love seeing those guys first. You get to know the Blake Trey hands. You get to know the Taylor Trammells. You get to know all these yeah. guys. Um, the Brian O'Grady's, you know, you, you watch and then you get to know. And like, when you come up, like my, my favorite thing in the world, my favorite thing in the world is the call up story. Like everyone is kind of the same, but they're all great. Like the other day they, they, they did one of um, Chris Oakey, um, 
catcher <laughs> in the red system. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, and, I know Oki. And they did the video, and you just saw everybody was so happy for Oak, you know. And I don't know, I love the call up. It is your dream come true. I remember when you got called up. I was so excited. And I can't imagine, like, if I was that excited, I couldn't imagine what it's like for you, your family, and everybody. Um, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. I was uh I'm I'm very I was very close with Oki. When I was with the Reds, uh, when I saw that, I was very excited too because yeah, there's he 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 really you know everyone talks about grinding. He had the grind to get to to the big leagues, and uh, you know he was a higher pick and he struggled a little bit, but he never stopped working. and And he's one of those guys that is kind of like Corky, funny man. Oh my god, funny! I just ridiculously funny, but a good dude and works hard and. When you see it, it, I mean, I texted him right away. I'm like, you know, congrats, man. That's that's so awesome. But yeah, the call. What, what's I, your call story? <laughs> Give me your call story. I know oh, I've heard God. it before, but mine. Uh, we we talked about this not to. No, it was Jody. It was Jody. Oh, Jody. So, okay. which was cool because Jody, Jody got to see like the whole change kind of in me because uh, he was my manager in Double A the year before too. So when I made the adjustment that I did then I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't an everyday guy. I didn't, I was just kind of in there whenever he could fit me in, but I played all over. So it was easier. And I, but I started to really hit. So uh, he was trying to find ways just to get me in the lineup. Like he stuck me. I would, I would take round balls at third base with, with Taylor Sparks because he was my good buddy, but also first base was, was boring anyway. And it was just a million degrees in Pensacola in the summer. And Sparks would be by himself taking ground balls for 20 minutes and, like, dying. So I was just doing it to help him out half the time, too. But, uh, yeah, like Jody one day showed up. He's like, hey, I had a dream last night. And I looked at the lineup and I'm playing third base. Like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> and uh, But they uh, – you know, <laughs> I got to throw this in there, too. I got to thank Shed Long for part of this because uh, I was, yep. Shed long, your guy, my guy too. They, uh, he, I started to hit well. I wasn't playing a game in Jacksonville and shed, I think for the second time in within a couple days was on second base and forgot how many outs there were and a ball smoked to the left fielder. And it just dropped in front of him, but he didn't, you know, he like waited to see. So Lenny Harris had to hold him up at third base. So Lenny was, everyone's pissed and whatever innings over, they take him out of the game, put me in that game. I think I homered my first at bat in the game. So I started the next day, hit two homers the next day and was just kind of like off and rolling. So thank you, Shed, too. <laughs> thanks, um, Shed, for not remembering the outs. Yeah. <laughs> but, so uh, thanks for so Jody, up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So Jody had me there. And then I went to um, Louisville later that season. And then the following year, Jody was my manager in Louisville. And that's when I had the, the really good year and got called up. So that year, we were uh, – I was I, I was getting a little frustrated. It was, it was the beginning of August. I had been playing well for a long time. Didn't uh, – I hadn't been called up yet. And uh, we had a Sunday day game in Louisville. We were off on Monday. And Tuesday we were playing 
in Lehigh Valley, which is 40 minutes from my parents' house. So I, I and I told them uh, Sunday after the game in Louisville, I flew back to Philly. My dad picked me up now, at the yeah. airport. Yeah, at like midnight. So the next the next day, because they were busing overnight to Lehigh Valley too. So I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. So I go back. I've literally I slept till like noon. I went to my, this is so stereotypical, my favorite cheesesteak place around the corner from my house. No shit, was sitting on my parents' couch eating my cheesesteak at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I get a call from a number, and I didn't have it in my phone. Like the only thing that would be more Philly is if you were bitching about the Eagles while you were doing it. (laughs) I was not bitching about the Eagles at the time. But (laughs) probably not too far off either, but. A Georgia number popped on my phone and I did, I didn't have it in my phone, but I'm like, you know, this is either some bullshit spam call or this is Jody and I need to answer it. So I answer it and I'm like, hello. And you know, his voice is Southern accent. I think he's like, Hey Brian, it's Jody. And I'm like, Jody, what's up, man? He's like, are you in, uh, you in Philly? And I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, ah, shit. And I was like, why? What's up? And he's like, well, you're active for the Cincinnati Reds tonight in Cincinnati. And I said, oh, fuck. And that was uh, – and it was funny because he started – like I said, it was like 2 o'clock or 2.15 or whatever, and I, I had to get to Philly, Philly Airport to fly to Cincinnati. But he started to give me like his little, you know, his spiel about how proud he was of me and like the difference from last year. And after like 10 seconds, I'm like, <laughs> I was like, Jody – like, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. But, like, I have to figure out how the fuck I'm getting to Cincinnati by 7 o'clock. And he's like, just just go over our, our trainer, who's the, you know, also, like, travel secretary. He's like, just just text Gobes, and he'll uh, he'll let you know what you're doing. And, yeah, and then he – I texted Jody, like, afterwards saying thank you. He, he sent me, like, a, a long text about everything. But, yeah, that was – that was it. And I was, uh, Luis Castillo was on the bump for us that night. And uh, I was late to the game, but thankfully he threw really well. And I finished, I was on deck when Tucker Barnhart made the last out in the eighth. So I didn't debut that night. But yes, I was, that's my debut story. That's pretty great. So, so you, you got to the field and then like you have to get ready and then like, oh yeah, you got to you, you grab a bat, son. It was, uh, was that Riggleman? We were – no, it was uh, – was it Bell? Yeah, it was Bell. Okay, okay. Yeah, right? Yeah, it was Bell. 19? It was Bell. Uh, yeah, it was 19. I don't know why I can't remember that. Yeah, it was Bell. Um, they it, – it, you know what was brutal too is I, I landed at like 7 or 7.15 and we sat on the runway in Cincinnati for like 40 oh minutes. I was flipping out. I was losing my mind. But it, it worked out. And then uh, – yeah, and then you know I got to talk to you more and got to see all that, and it was a whole lot better. Had to talk to Tommy Thrall, um. <laughs> old Tommy. God, and yeah, and now he's uh, God. That's big another time. one I forget about. Yeah, Tommy's big time now. Tommy, Tommy, big time. All of us in Pensacola. He, you know, <laughs> he hung out with uh, Gage who's one of my good buddies, who was our clubhouse guy in, in Pensacola a lot. So I know I know Tommy very well. I'm very happy to see Tommy doing his thing in Cincinnati now. It's awesome. He's uh, He cracks me up, man. That's I forgot about that, too. Yeah, he's a good dude. What a, I know. And there was a it's lot of like really amazing, good people. It's like all the 
all the ties that, you, you know, baseball is such a small world and you get to know guys and, and it's, it's the people who make the most of it, who are the guys you're going to be around forever. Like there's, there's a couple of players I still talk to, like we'll chat, uh, we'll throw texts together. I have one that calls me, he'll call me like every six months and then just like talk for an hour and we'll just talk. Um, uh, but, and then like, I saw him somewhere and he just grabbed me and we sat and we had dinner for like four hours. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's awesome. It is, man. And it, it really is. It's cool. You do, you get to meet a lot of, a lot of people from all different walks of life, whether it's players or, or writers or whatever it is, you know, I talk to you still, I talked yeah. to a few other guys from the, from the Rays, you know, like just from talking to them. I mean, one, one of the guys who used to write for the Rays, Josh Tolentino is, uh, yeah. he, he's still with the athletic, I think is now the, no, Eagles no, guy. he's with uh, MLB. He left. Tom. I think he's covering um, the Dodgers. Now. He's the Eagles. No, he's oh, the Eagles. Eagles. No, no I was thinking, I was thinking the, somebody else. Juan, yeah. Juan Terribio is with the Dodgers Juan is now. Covering who, the Dodgers, right. Who I still talk to too. Both of them, but yes, yeah, that's, good dudes. Uh, yeah, good dude. It's just it, it's it's cool how it kind of yeah comes full circle and you just I don't know you just talk. So, so you like slugging Josh about uh, the Eagles and shit. Yep. Oh yeah. I'm like, dude, what's going on? You know. Now he's uh, I was pumped for him. He yeah he was asking me some stuff. You know when he when he first got it about where he should live and looking and things like that in Philly. But that's an awesome job, man. That's uh, a lot of people are gonna read it. That's. Pretty- that's for sure. Yeah, some strong opinions there, but uh, no. uh, JA, guys, let's no, never, no strong opinions for us. But JA, get in here. What do you got? Let's let's uh, let's get it started. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd love to talk about just like this crazy up and down year that the Reds have had, um, and, and even going back to April, like when when Chris Castellini made his comments, like where are you going to go? Like when you first heard that, did you know it was going to be as big of a story as it ended up becoming? Uh, not really. It was just like, Phil, that's some dumb shit. And then like, you just like, it, 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 he, he said that and like, I hadn't heard of it and I saw him down on the field and I didn't know what's going on, but it, I don't think it would have been as big a deal if he didn't double down on it. And, you know, the fan base was already upset because they'd gotten rid of, you know, they let Nick Castellanos walk uh free agency. Um, they had made some trades just to, I mean, for payroll. And when, when the owner says like, Hey, you know, it was pretty obvious that they did all this for payroll. And then the owner says, well, we don't care about what the fans think. It was like, Oh, okay. And it still hurts them. I mean, it's still part of it. I I think, I think that's going to be a stain for a while. Uh, People aren't going to forget that, nor should they. Nor should they like, you know, that's your customer base. You know, you don't insult the customer. I I will give them this. I mean, at least it was honest. Usually those guys aren't honest. Um, It was dumb. You don't say it, but yeah, it was nuts. Um, So that was quite interesting. Um, That day, it's funny because like opening, it, it wasn't exactly opening day because the Reds always open at home. It's one of the great things about covering the Reds. You always know you go from spring training to home, except for this year. Uh, for the third time in their history, their first game was not at home. There was a rain out like in 1956. The first two games got rained out and they started on the road. 1990, there was a lockout. Reds started on the road. This year, 
they started in um, Atlanta. So I was in Arizona, go to Atlanta. Then they had a two-game homestand. Um, and and that was the sort of opening day. And, like, opening day is huge in Cincinnati. There's a parade. There's, like, you'll get it packed out. Nobody will care the next day. But that day, it's like Christmas, and it's a big deal. And so it was already kind of weird um, that it wasn't real opening day that day. But then he goes out and makes a total ass of himself. And it like the game was just not important. Nobody cared about the game. It was secondary. Like, I don't think I wrote a word about the game. Um, might have been just like, oh, yeah, Bieber shoved and the Reds lost. Now, and that's the other thing. It's like you come out and then you have to face Shane Bieber. And, and like, like that's bad timing because, like, if the team goes and wins, you could be like, see, we're great. No, no, man. They're facing Bieber. You're, you're SOL to begin with, um, with that guy on the mound. And uh, so they lost that game. Then they lost the next. And then, so it was a two-game homestand. Two-game homestand. And then go to L.A. and San Diego. Oh. So, yeah. Like, that's a big old <laughs> hang with them. Like, you know, you start in Atlanta, defending champs. Yep. We had all the big like ring ceremony, all that, and then go to LA San Diego after a two game series at home, and one of those games being Bieber. Yeah. Like, I, I remember we were in Arizona, and I'm talking to David, and I'm just like, you know, David, you look at the schedule. And I'm trying to remember who they came back and played. It was somebody, I think it might have been like Milwaukee or somebody good. And then San Diego came back, and it's just like, I was like, David, you look at the schedule, you could start like, I don't know, like five and 12 and play well. <laughs> and then they started like two and 13 and they did not yeah. play well. Um, so like, it just kind of bottomed out. You had the owner saying that you're two and 13, where else are you going to go? People are like, I don't know, yeah. but it ain't there. Um, and yeah. so like, it was tough and like so many injuries. Um, the short spring training, I think was tough for everybody in baseball. And there's a lot of those things that got caught up. Like their starting pitching was terrible. Like to start the season, like those guys were going four and five innings, you know, Mally didn't start well. Um, Castillo was injured. Minor was injured. Um, you had two rookies in green and Lodolo in there. Um, another re in Reaver San Martin, uh, Raver said Martin. And then, um, you know, what we've seen now is that, that starting pitching stabilized and uh, the bullpen is now the issue uh, because, well, the starting pitching isn't, you know, nobody cares about the bullpen when, when you're down five, nothing in the, in the fourth anyway, like, Oh, the bullpen gave up a couple runs. Who cares? You know, you already lost. Um, but when, you know, those guys, like, I think last week I did it, like the, you know, the really, the starters had put up like a one nine nine ERA over the previous week. And that was with minor having a bad start. Um, you know, they, they've got some guys green is um, impressive. Graham Ashcraft is somebody who, who people don't didn't really know much about. I knew a little bit about him um, just because two years ago he came in pumping a hundred and you're like, Oh, okay. in spring, um, you know, but he's pitching well. He throws bowling balls. You know, when you have he has a he has a two seamer and a cutter, both at like ninety nine hundred, and like you know, that does that. Like as a hitter, it's just like you're either going to get like busted on the hands or the end of the bat. And it's hard to barrel when it's 
a two seamer and a cutter, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like they come in the same place and then you got to guess. And yeah. when it's a hundred, you don't have a, a lot of time to guess. And if you're guessing out and it comes, it's a cutter. Woo. I mean, yep. or depending on whether you're left or right-handed, I think everything left-handed, <laughs> you know, like, like you're just like, Oh, that's, that's bad. Like, cause that could, you know, a hundred to the face probably doesn't feel great. And then when you do hit it, I was talking to somebody. It was like, when you do hit one of those, those like a hundred two seamers, it's just like, that hurts the hands. If you don't barrel it, <laughs> you're just like, all right, I rolled over it. Just get me back. Like, I don't want to bat in my hand. Like probably, I don't know. You would know this better than I like those like hard two seamers or cutters. You hit that. You're like, just stay fair. I'll, I'll go back to the bench. I don't want to just like do that. I don't have to hold the bat again and swing again. It's no joke, man. Stuff coming in that that hard and moving like that. It's it's not it's not the most fun, but that's uh it's what we got to figure out, right? I always say like it's like I don't understand how like hitting is impossible, and for you know, and nowadays like. 100 used to be like, oh, three digits. Like everybody in the, in the crowd goes, oh, well, like Hunter Green averaged 100 in his first start. <laughs> averaged. <laughs> and it's, so you're just like, oh, this isn't like special anymore, but it's still like 100. Like yeah. if I stood in the box, I would have to wear brown pants. Because to camouflage what I would do to myself. <laughs> like, what you do is impossible. And then it moves? Wait, wait. It's not just 100 straight? And, like, guys like you, like, if it's 100 straight, you can hit that all day. You will hit the shit out of 100 straight. But it moves. And it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I'm always surprised. Like, nothing, like, and this is from afar. And so, again, this is someone who watches too much baseball. It's like, these guys are nibbling at 98. Why are you nibbling? Why would you not just be like, go at a guy? Because if, if you have that, throw it in the strike zone. What are they going to do? You know what? A couple of guys are going to barrel it up. Tip your cap. But if you're not walking guys, it's a solo shot. Like, like some of these guys is like, they can't, they get hit every once in a while, but they double up and walk everybody in the world because they're nibbling. Just throw a hundred. Don't fucking nibble. Drives me insane. Because that makes a game. That's uh that's the uh I'll you know I'll give it back to Jay right here in a second. But yeah, that's one of the big successes, in my opinion, for the Rays is, is that's what they tell their guys, basically. Yeah. I mean, for the generally speaking, it's they're not, yeah, they're not trying to hit corners. They're, they're hey, you got good shit. Uh Pete Fairbanks said it to us on here. They're like, Yeah, hey, you got good shit. Throw it over the plate. Make them make them hit. Just throw, right. just I mean, throw it like, over the plate. That's it. It's it's <laughs> funny. Like I always thought like maybe nationally guys would get a little bit of a break back in the old days when there was a difference. Like the like I always think like for pitchers, shouldn't like going up once three times a week, shouldn't that remind you how hard it is? And just be like, oh yeah, this ain't easy. Why, why am yeah. I giving this guy so much credit? Like if I'm a pitcher, yeah. I don't give a batter any credit. But it goes the other way, too. You know, one of the yeah. funny things is trying to ask Joey Votto about a pitcher. Joey's going to give no pitcher nothing. 
Um, and he's he's not going to give it away. Joey's, as you know, Joey's one of a kind. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> Joey's playing chess, man. But yeah, no, like it's, you got to literally, he, literally, he literally figuratively, but <laughs> but also like it's unbelievable. The the guy just, I, I mean, even like you know, I, I'm guessing for like you go into that clubhouse and you're just like, wait, am I playing the same game that this guy is? Like, I'm gonna go knock the snot out of the ball. This guy's thinking like three other levels. He's uh, yeah, he's definitely on a different level, but you know, he's. He's been doing it for so long, and he's just, I mean, honestly, that gifted, too, like, with yeah. the eye, you know, his – his. well, I mean, I know he's changed his approach recently in recent years, but, you know, how much he used to walk and still drive the ball and not strike out and not pop up anywhere to the infield. Like, I mean, he's – he's yeah, there's, there's not many Joey Votos walking this planet ever, yeah. so – He's a little. He's definitely on a, on a on a different level. I mean, even like when he would take when he would hit BP, and he'd be like working on whatever, and I'd be like watching, and then I'd look up, and the ball he just hit went twenty rows deep to left center. And I'm like, like he's not even paying attention. He's just like doing his thing, and then it's just like ready and getting his next next swing going. And I'm like watching this ball. I'm like, how the fuck did that just go? Like he's so strong too. I mean, yeah. he's yeah, he's. He's, he's different, man. He's Joey he's a freak. I mean, and like, that's the thing. It's like, you go into this game, there's so many different ways to be good. And there's so many guys that are just like, you know, I was thinking about like, I was talking to Manny Machado the other day. Now that Manny's dude, great. like, but, but like physically, he's just like, he, you know, <laughs> I, I don't like, I mean, it's just massive, but it's also athletic and, like the dude, like probably strong as an ox. I mean, like, and, but yet also quick. It, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, Manny's another specimen. We are, as Jay always says, this is a very pro Manny Machado podcast. Manny's one of my favorites. Uh, Joey, one one more quick Vado story, and then we'll we'll move back on. But Vado, Jay, there's a uh, you know 19 in big league camp. It was pretty much just me and him at first base. So I spent a lot of time with Joey and uh, Joey, I don't know if he still does. I bet you he still does, but if not, he used to have this thing where um, some days like right before the game, usually a night game, he would take uh, Freddie out there to hit him ground balls. And, you know, he asked me if I wanted to do it with him, And that's a, a hard, you don't say no to that. Joey's in full uniform, diving, full-blown diving on a backfield at spring training for ground balls, like playing it literally like a game. And I don't even know if he changed. Sometimes he doesn't. I know for a fact sometimes he doesn't. And he would just roll into the stadium 10 minutes before first pitch in a dirty uniform from diving on the backfields for ground balls before he went and played this spring training game. And I had it and I did that with him. And <laughs> I was just like, this is like, it's just, it's crazy. It's awesome. But yeah. And did, uh, like, go you ever there that. from one of his cold shots? No. 
Okay, like I, it, it's unbelievable. He called his shot in Toronto this year. Um, oh, that's cool. And then Kyle Farmer told me this story like a couple years ago. Joey says, "Hey, if I don't hit, if this, if if I don't hit a this guy's this guy, or here's what he said. He said this guy's going to throw me a first pitch heater, and I'm going to hit a home run. If I don't, you can have my paycheck." <laughs> And Farmer's like, probably like, hell yeah, because that's that one. That's good amount of money. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not bad. And and Farm just says it's like the first time he was ever rooting against a teammate, and motherfucker did it. Yeah, and it's unbelievable. I remember a couple of years ago, like you Darvish, the first year you Darvish was here, he was throwing this curveball, slow curveball. It was you know he just come over with the Rangers. And you're Goodyear, and somebody told me afterwards. He's like Joey turned to their their catcher and said, "If he throws me that pitch again, I'm hitting it out of the stadium." Darvish throws it again. He hits it out of the stadium. <laughs> I, I believe it. Just just like Brian O'Grady. Yep, that's that's I do those things too. That's that's right. <laughs> Go ahead, Jay. I'd love to stick with uh, Votto, but I also want to go back. Uh, I misspoke, and I got the Reds president's name wrong. I called him Chris, and his name is Phil. So Yeah, that's uh, all right. I, I want that on the record. I think Chris <laughs> Castellini works for Barstool Sports. I think that's probably why I think that I got those two mixed up. Uh, anywho, uh, Joey Votto. I love Joey Votto. Uh, I'm not a Reds fan, but I think just like him being on social media this year, I, I don't know. It's just something feels different. Like, have what do you make of his social media presence? And then have you seen, like, where I think he, he like quote tweeted some, it was like a fan graphs article is like, is this the end for Joey Votto? Like, you know, how has he kind of had to like battle through some adversity this year? Uh, Joey. It's, it's, it, I've gotten to where like nothing will surprise me about Joey. Um, and that's my, my common thing. And I told them this in spring, I was just like, I, I use, I, I tell people all the time, like you could tell me anything about Joey and I'll believe it. You tell me he cured cancer. Sure. You can tell me he went on his, on his off, he spent his off season on a cross Canadian clown killing spree. Yeah. Yeah. I buy it. Um, but like the thing about Joey is in the social media, it, he's obviously studied what, 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 what really impresses me is he studied each of the platforms. He's studied Twitter. He studied Instagram. He studied TikTok. And so it's not just like one that he does across it he he uses them all for their different purposes and their best uses um I, i've known joey since like like brian I, I i got to know joey when he was in the minor leagues um so i've known joey for 16 years um 15 16 17 years um joey always kind of goes about his interviews like he goes at his, his at bats everything has a purpose He's not going to give in. He's going to get what he wants out of that at-bat or that interview. He's going to get the pitcher to throw him what he wants. He's going to get the, the reporter to ask him what he wants. He is, he is, he's just, he's on a different level, like on all parts of his game. And it's not just hitting. It's, it's how he comes across and he knows things. Um, you know, his, his, those Twitter, like, I use Twitter. I just throw everything off the top of my head. Joey writes drafts. 
and <laughs> looks at it and sees what could be said or thought of. Um, you know, his Instagram stuff is all thought out. You know, the TikToks all thought out. He, he he's, you know, last year he said, and I think this has kind of continued. He he really started having fun again, and it was about having fun. Um, and you can tell that he's he's having fun. Uh, he told me the other day that he finally got a swing locked in. So, you know, when he gets a swing locked in, things are going to happen. Love that. Absolutely. Why, why do you think he's remained so loyal to this organization for so long? Well, he had a big, long contract. Well, there's that. Um, <laughs> you know, and also like Joey's a guy who likes to control things. And I don't know, like he doesn't crave everybody knowing who he is or, I think he's seen some people, Yeah, you know, one of the things I think you have to remember is when Joey came up, it was 2007, the end of 2007, his rookie year is 2008. He saw the end of Ken Griffey Jr. in Cincinnati. You know, here's a guy who thought he wanted to go home, who left Seattle, left his home, and was looking for somewhere else, and things didn't quite work out for Ken Ken here in Cincinnati, like, like he had hoped or like anyone had hoped. Um, so it was a little different. And I think, I think that probably, I've never talked to Joey about this and, um, but, but I think that probably had a impact on him. He, he saw that he saw that even for, you know, you know, where, where's Ken Griffey Jr. in the history of this game, even for a guy like that, you know, the grass isn't always greener. And you, you know, you take what you know, you control what you can control. He knows so much in Cincinnati. You know, he, he knows where to go. He knows how to be left alone. He knows where he can take his dog. You know, he, he, he has all these things. And he has a comfort level. And there's also part of him that he says, those guys who play their whole career in one uniform, there's something special about that. You know, there's something special about George Brett in Kansas City or, um, you know, Mike Schmidt in Philadelphia, or, 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 you know, all those guys. And so I think, I think that's something that he's looked at. And at this point, it would be, I don't know, I just, I have a hard time picturing him in any other uniform. And um, now we've seen it before, you know, like, I, I still am not sure about Ken Griffey Jr. in a White Sox uniform or Bo Jackson in a White Sox uniform, but it happened. And, you know, those things can happen. Uh, but, but I don't know. It's just hard for me to see him in a different uniform. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Brian and I talk about this all the time. There is, there is something to be said for guys that stick around in one uniform for their entire career. It doesn't really happen that often. Um, you know, and they, they, they get like so like ingratiated with the fan base. And they just, they, you know, I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but you, you mentioned that Joey's, you know, he's picked it up since the beginning of the year. His numbers have been better. I think since he came off the COVID IL, um, yeah. I think he's batting over 300, but for just like the red team in general this year, like what does a successful outcome for this year look like? Like, what are they trying to work on for the rest of the year? And you know, what, what would fans be happy with? Well, those are two different questions. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think really what you want to see is kind of a more progression, with some of these young pitchers, you want to see Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, uh, Graham Ashcraft pitch well, stay healthy. Um, that's big. 
um, you know, you, 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 you see those guys and you're like, Hey, these guys have something. Um, and that's a good start. Uh, you want to see Tyler Stevenson come back healthy, Jonathan India continue what he did. You know, when, when you talk about green Lodolo, at, I'm going to throw Ashcraft in there cause he's been so good so far. Um, Stevenson, India, you have some pieces, um, you know, Jose Barrera, I think a big thing with Jose Barrera coming up and, and, and playing well, um, he hasn't quite done that. He's an unbelievable talent, but you know, putting the bat on the ball is again, like we talked about, not easy. And he needs to be able to do that at the big league level. Um, you know, a big part of it's going to be what they do at the trade deadline. And, um, it's speaking of weird to see somebody in a different uniform, it's going to be weird to see Luis Castillo in a different uniform at some point, but, uh, you know, he, he's under team control for next year as is Tyler Malley, but then free agents after 2023, you know, is this, I don't, I don't see this team contending in 2023, uh, much less 2022. So is now the time to, to deal, to deal those guys. I mean, Luis Castillo is a stud. Um, Tyler Malley, you get him out of this ballpark, like the, the absolute worst ballpark that Tyler Malley can pitch in is Great American Ballpark. Look at his home road splits. He's I, I'm a big believer in Tyler Malley, always have been. Um, but Luis Luis Castillo is the guy that you throw out game one and you're feeling good. And there's not a lot of guys that you you know, he hasn't done it at that consistent level. And I don't think people, I think people around the country know the name, but like his stuff is just ungodly. And when he is pitching, well, I, I, when he's on, he's, he's as good as anybody in the game. And, um, and like, I mean, that, that, that change up is just, it is, it is beauty. It is like (laughs) nothing can make it's funny. I, I remember his first year we they were in, I was actually in Miami for the all-star game, but I was watching them. They were playing in Arizona to finish up the season and watching that game on TV in a bar. And he was pitching to Goldschmidt and he made Goldschmidt look bad. And like, when does Paul Goldschmidt look bad? And it was just this changeup that was just like, it was the worst swing I've ever seen from Paul Goldschmidt. And I was like, this was Castillo's rookie year. I was like, holy moly, this guy might really be something. And he is really something. That changeup is just, you know, it's funny. Like it, it, I, I do this thing every year where I go in spring training to, to all the catchers say, what's the best pitch you've caught in camp? And I, I got some different ones this year, a, because Louie was injured and at B because it was like, um, have you seen Hunter Green's fastball? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of three, what, what are we doing here? So this year it was kind of like, what's the second best. But for so many years, it was like Louie's two seamer is change up. And like the debate wouldn't be like, who has the best pitch. It was like, which of Louie's pitches is the best. Mm-hmm. And, um, the two seamers pretty good, but that change up, holy shit. It's, it's, I don't know. Like I, I love one of my favorite words in baseball is combio. And Cause it always seems like the Latin <laughs> guys have the best combio, you know, that change. Um, and, and like, I saw it with Johnny Cueto 
you know, Cueto's, Cueto's changeup was just unreal. And you see it and, and like Pedro Martinez, you know, I, I don't know why it's the Latin guys. There's a certain flair for the changeup. And I, I just love that the, the strut after a changeup, because it's like, yeah, I was throwing 98, but that's what you're expecting here. Let me take this back and you're going to look bad. I've, I've been personally victimized by that changeup. So I know exactly what you're talking about. He, uh, that the list of in, people uh, who have been victimized by that changeup is long. Yeah. When he was still, when we were, when I was in Daytona and he was in Jupiter with Miami still, you know, he was throwing, I was hitting fourth, I think. And I think he struck out the side first inning, just 98, just, you know, pumping that two seam in there at 96 to 98. So I'm, I go up there in the sec top or bottom of second inning, ready for that. And he throws that change up first pitch. And I about threw my bat into the outfield and fell over after I missed by 10 feet, you know. So I know exactly. When we traded for that guy, I was like, thank God. I never got to face that dude again. <laughs> like I get to play. I get to play with him now. Thank yeah. you. Like I could sit down in the outfield. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. When Pensacola, when he was pitching, I would just be like, Standing in center field, like not even paying attention to the game because he was just cruising. And if anybody hit it, it was just going straight down. Wasn't right, coming right. to me. Well, it was funny. But, I was, uh, it, we were talking to David Bell about that the other day. It, it was funny. It's like, you know, with Ashcraft and Castillo, we make sure we have our best infield defense. With Mally yeah. and Green, we make sure we have our best outfield defense. Yeah. Mally's another one, man. I was with God, I was with Mally the whole way, Billings straight through. And, uh, he he bought a used LeBaron, like 2003 LeBaron when we were in Billings, Montana. And he used to drive me back to my host parents' house for dinner after the games with the top down through Montana. Was cra- and they saw it at the end of the summer. Crack me out. I'll never forget that. Good old Tyler Malley. But uh, we got to – we'll get to the rapid fire after this, but we have to talk – about the the fantasy football situation before we let you go. <laughs> so, as we know, Tommy Tommy's my guy. I'm a Tommy fan guy. But what was it? I mean, that kind of had to be a great. I mean, like a not a dream, but it was a very good time for you and your it was job. Unbelievable. So, so, what like, was what was that like? Well, it was weird because I was actually in the Giants clubhouse. Um, when it happened. Oh, so like I'm in there talking to Alex Wood, um, for oh, yeah. Georgia Bulldog. Yeah. And I'm talking to Alex and then I'm like, you know, we finish our conversation. I go outside the, the giants PR person goes, Trent, Trent, what happened? I'm like, what? I was just talking to Alex. What are you talking about? And he shows me the tweets. I'm like, Oh, Oh shit. So I go back in the clubhouse and the visitors clubhouse at great american if you go like when you come back up the tunnel if you go right it's the clubhouse if you go left it's like the training rooms and so i'm gonna go right just to see what's going on and i looked at the left i hear trent trent and i look over and it's alex and alex is like hey was there a fight i was like i don't know dude i was in here talking to you and i see jock peterson kind of pull him aside <laughs> and he takes him because he was with jock like all right so i kind of look around i don't know what's going on and i hear like one of the coaches say yeah it was jock and tommy it's about fantasy football tommy was pissed <laughs> off about fantasy football and i'm like i think it's a joke 
<laughs> I really do. Uh, but then, like, we're kind of talking around, like, maybe it's not. And we go up to Tommy, and he's like, yeah. Like, oh, okay. So then, you know, you're just, I'm trying to get the story. And I do it certain ways, you know, how reporters do. Um, that That's all going to be kept under wraps to protect <laughs> the uh, not-so-innocent. Um, but, but, but so then, like, after the game, Jock does his thing, like, oh, violence isn't the answer, and blah, 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 and no, it goes into, like, the details. We're like, oh, okay. And it was weird because there was a two-hour rain delay. So all this stuff, that's all we're doing is thinking about this, and, like, I have that it's fantasy football. I have it on the record from multiple sources. And so, like, I can't write anything until I have multiple sources, something like that. So I've, I've got some of the details and we're trying to figure it out. And finally, I'm like, I know when I put this started over fantasy football and he slapped him, that the rest of the day is shot. It doesn't matter what happens in the game. I'm not writing about the game. Well, so the game happens after two-hour rain delay. And Tommy, you know, Jock does this whole thing. We go to Tommy the next day and it's like, I've played the tape for people because it's just so wonderful. I'm like, uh, Hey, um, uh, Tommy, what, what happened yesterday? He goes with Jock. Yeah. Yeah. With Jock. I slapped Jock. He said some shit I don't condone and it had to be dealt with (laughs) or no. And I had to address it. I'm like, the thing is though, that's Tommy. Tommy is like, Tommy is the realest guy. Like, that's what I said to him. I was, I was like, dude, I appreciate Cause like, I know whatever you say, you're not lying. You know, some guys will sugarcoat stuff. Tommy, Tommy don't care. Tommy's going to tell you the truth as he sees it. And it's not going to be to try to save anybody's feelings. Nothing like that. You're going to get Tommy's unvarnished truth. He is the realest guy I have met in doing this in 20 years. Like, like that's the only way to put it. What you see with Tommy is what you get. And it rubs some people wrong, but others, like, <laughs> it's funny. I was, I, was, I was walking out of the clubhouse the other day, and I was just talking to another writer. I go, man, Tommy, one of a kind. And, I like, one of the players just overheard it, and he just starts busting out laughing. He goes, you can say that again, man. And it's just like <laughs> – it's funny like the people i talk to throughout it like people love the guy some people hate the guy uh, there's probably not a lot of in between but the other thing is you watch him every day dude works dude plays hard dude plays hard i would want tommy fam on my team um whether we're playing baseball if we're in a fight give like i so so every year for years we would do this game. I saw you did it, Jay, the other day. Like, who would you take in a fight? Like, who would you want behind you? And when Johnny Gomes was with the Reds, it was Johnny Gomes. And, uh, you know, we had all these other ones. And I remember, because you, you don't always go with, like, the biggest dude. You know, <laughs> I forget. Well, I do remember who it was said about, but it was funny. Mark Sheldon, who covers the Reds for MLB.com, one year he's like, someone's like, how about this guy? Because he was like a big looking dude. And, he, and 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 Mark's like, nah, he looks like a bleeder. And then you'll see like, 
you'll see guys who always are held back. You know, you could watch every every one of these bench clearing brawls or bench clearing incidents, and you see guys who are held back every time. Guys who should not be held back by anybody. And then they're the guys, and I'll put Tommy there. Like somebody said to me, it was like, nobody's going to hit Tom. The Giants aren't going to hit Tommy because whoever does it is going to pay. Like <laughs> he's going to go after the pitcher and they're going to pay. Um, so like Amir Garrett, um, talk about real ones. Like we saw that. <laughs> that is probably still my craziest day in this, in, 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 in history. Um, were you there? Were you on that team, Brian? Nope. It was that was like two weeks maybe before I got called up because we got done. Yes. Yeah, so into I'll never, I'll never forget it. Yeah, we got done in Toledo, and we're all sitting in the clubhouse still watching this game, knowing that Puig had gotten traded and Puig was out there in a brawl with the Pirates. Uh, th- that is still like the craziest thing. So like, you have that brawl where Amir, Amir tells Josh Pickler, who David Bell had already been thrown out. Uh, Freddie Benavides had already been thrown out. So Pickler is like the game planning coach, and he's he goes to the mound to get, um, to get Amir, and um, Jose Peraza is going to come in and position player pitch because it's out of hand. And Amir says, I'm going to go get him. And like, Pickler's like, no, 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 man. Um, but we're we're gonna let Hosey get this. He says, I'm gonna go get him. And so Pickler just says, uh, okay, pats him on the butt, thinking he's gonna go back in. Amir's going. <laughs> and like and then Tweed comes out, David's already thrown out. He comes out, he gets tackled by David X or not um not not David, um Eckstein, the 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 brother. Um Rick. Is it Rick? Rick Eckstein, yeah. Yeah. Eckstein. Um Eckstein. And, um, you know, he's going after Clint Hurdle. Everybody's on the ground. And, like, then you're like, not only is Puig traded, but he's traded for Trevor Bauer. And it's just like. Oh, my gosh. It's the most, like, you know, and then the next day, Jared, Jared, or maybe it was even that game. Like, Jared Hughes had hit somebody on purpose. Like Jared Hughes is, <laughs> if there is a nicer guy, like like Jared Hughes and Sean Casey are like this like level, um, and Case is Case is a bear, but like Jared is just like the kindest kindest yes. human being in the world. Like in baseball, there's nobody better than Jared Hughes, and he hit a dude on purpose. It was unreal. Uh, this is just <laughs> it was the craziest day. Um, so yeah, so I think I was still talking about like fam. Fam's going to go after you. And so we always had that with Gomes. Gomes is crazy. Um, he would go after you. One year I, I said, um, I thought Skip Schumacher. Because Skip's small, but Skip would fight you to the Skip's death. Skip's tough, dude. Skip is tough, and he is, like, I, I could see him, like, gnawing some some uh, some shins <laughs> off, you know? And so, like, <laughs> I tell Skip That's this so one year, and he's like, I appreciate it. But you were high if you don't think that it's a role as Chapman. He's like, that dude was a boxer and he is a freak. And he's, he's also fair. crazy. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's a joke that we always have. And and I think one year Jim Riggleman was my pick because Riggs. Riggs was like, in good shape. Riggs is a good shape. And like, I wouldn't mess with Riggs, you know. 
I also wouldn't like mess with PK if PK got really mad. PK's a wrestler too. PK's the, uh, did you ever wrestle PK? I never wrestled PK. I watched Nixon's Elrath wrestle PK though. <laughs> PK is a tough, tough big dude. I He's wouldn't, a bear. I wouldn't mess with PK. He's a big dude. I stayed on PK's good side. Yeah, with the Irish thing, we got that going. I was. It's funny. He's like the nicest guy in the world. (laughs) But I remember, like, like I always see PK and he's laughing. Pat Kelly, the uh, AAA Reds manager. Yeah. Um, uh, Pat Kelly. PK is just like the nicest human being in the world. He's jolly. You talk to him. He's like always got a smile. One year, I went down to Pensacola, and I am waiting outside the clubhouse. You guys did not have a good game. And we're waiting oh. outside the clubhouse and you like, I had never heard anything like that. And I was like, I was behind a steel door and I was scared shitless. <laughs> PK has, I mean, you've seen him. He has all time blowups for sure. Yeah. Like you see him getting thrown out of games for whatever there might be, you know, in the time I had him maybe once a season, twice, maybe like whenever we, you know, it was just a tough stretch of games where we were doing, you know, we were fucking up, whatever. And he would, yeah, he'd let it out. I mean, yeah, everyone would be like, oh, shit. But it, it works, man. I mean, everybody respects the shit out of PK. So it's like when, you, when like you said, he's normally, he's great. And he's, uh, PK so straightforward with everything. So that when, when he did something like that, everyone was like, all right, fuck. We need to we need, we need to like pick this shit up. <laughs> the best. But I, I loved it. He's he's one of my favorites without a doubt. There was yeah, a lot so, of great coaches. Oh yeah. With the rest. I mean, like so many good guys. Um, I, I don't know. It's 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 like I said, you know, just the people you meet through this game is unreal. Um yeah. and Tommy Pham, I I he's always gonna be a favorite of mine because it's 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 real. Like you it's go real. up to him and you know what you're gonna get. That's it. Tommy, yeah. My uh Tommy and Amir were both on my picks for who I'd have on my yeah. team in a fight for sure. And uh Skip Schumacher was a funny one because Skip was my bench coach in, in San Diego right. last year. And Skip is I wouldn't mess with Skip. Still in very good shape, still looks like he could fucking go play right now. Yeah. Skip is also one of the nicest human beings oh, I've ever met. One of my favorite people and in the game. He's like, just- phenomenal just phenomenal like like i love skip he's such a good dude like that's that's what i was saying before you know you talk about like good guys skip probably played two more years than he should have because everybody wanted him on their team they love him and there is value in that there is value beyond what you do on the field um and a guy like skip schumacher is going to bring that value and you know that's why he was the bench coach of the Padres. He's bench coach with the the Cardinals now. Um, he, they, he's the, guy uh, the that Cardinals. Wants. I know this is going to hurt the Reds fans' feelings, but the Cardinals have two of my favorite staffers on their on their team right now: Skip and uh, assistant hitting coaches Turner Ward, who was my hitting coach in nineteen with Cincy, Lounders. who is also Lounders. <laughs> he is. Also one of the best human beings I have ever met. He, um, I still talk to him fairly often because he lives in Mobile, which is not yeah. far from, it's about 45 minutes from me. So, uh, yeah, that I'm, I'm envious of that, that staff in, in St. Louis. They got a, they got a good one for sure. Yeah. No, Turner's, uh, well liked. 
Um, no doubt. No doubt. Good folk. But uh, all right, Jay, hit him with the rapid fire and we'll, we'll okay. let Trent get on with the rest of his day. I love it. Yeah. So Skyline Chili, does it, yeah. does, it de- does it deserve as much hate as it gets on the Internet? No, it's great. It's great. It is. OK, here's the one thing. It is the perfect drunk food. Like carbs, you have this big thing of, of, of spaghetti and you have the chili, which like, it's not like a Texas chili. It's a meat sauce. It's, it's a Greek dish. And then just, a, <laughs> well, it's a bastardized version of a Greek dish. The meat sauce is Greek. And then just a shit ton of cheese. Oh, like the first time I ever had it was like, it was on my interview up here and it was like three in the morning and I was wasted it was the perfect time to have it and then it just brings you back those fond memories no skyline's great um yeah it, it's it's phenomenal i've never had it so yeah this is all just it's like great. My i mean the research. thing is is like people it's it it, it doesn't look good um and <laughs> and uh people expect a chili and like a texas chili con carne and it's not that it's a it's a meat sauce um but it's fantastic what, what is your favorite baseball game you've seen in person? Oh, that's a great one. Um, there's got to, I mean, that's, there's got to be, there's got to be a few of them. For there's you. a few, like, you know, I've seen some no hitters. Um, I've seen some playoff games. I was at the 99 all-star game at Fenway. Um, I was at Brian O'Grady's debut. Um, uh, mo- most importantly, most importantly, um, I, I don't know, like it's tough to beat that, <laughs> that pirates reds game. That was just a blowout <laughs> that Amir went nuts at, um, you know, that is one, uh, Scooter Jeanette's four homer game, four homers. That's a, a good game. one. It, it was unbelievable. Really you're just sitting there, it's like, he can't, he can't do it. He did what? And it, uh, uh, it's tough. It's tough to beat. Like, you know, I've been a couple no hitters, but uh, for a Homer game, like two Homer game, like if you hit two homers in a game, like, holy shit, that's, that's a great day. Like pack them up, you know, I'm done for the day. Three career day, Unreal. four. And this is a guy who had been kind of a backup at the point. Yeah. And it's a four homers. Get out of here. It was unbelievable. That's a, I I think that has to be it. I actually, I saw that, that it popped up on my Twitter, like the highlights. I think it happened. Like it was the anniversary of the day of the year, maybe or something. And saw on Twitter and man, the last two pitches he hit out too. I'm like, how did he even like hit those out? Uh, That was, that was unbelievable. You're right. I think that's a four homers is more, uh, that's more rare than no hitters. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. perfect games too. So, yeah, that's that's a good one. What is the Still stadium scooter. with the with the best and the worst press box? Oh, good question. Um, best is the Giants. Um, San Francisco is just beautiful. Um, it's perfect level. It's it's great. Uh, the worst is probably the White Sox. Um, it's out in right field. We're, 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 we're losing a lot of the good press boxes. We used to have like the best seats in the house. Um, since 
you know, now in Cincinnati, we were like above the plate and it was great. There was plenty of room to spread out. Now we're kind of in left field and it's, it's actually down a level. So it's still a nice view. You get to see the check swings, you see different things and it's okay. Um, Toronto's in way left field and it takes forever to get to the clubhouse. Um, but it, like the press box when you're in it is nice. So I give it a little things. Um, Chicago, that's bad. Uh, St. Louis is terrible. Um, <laughs> like also, well, it, it's probably Oakland. Let's, let's not, let's not fool ourselves. It's Oakland. I mean, like worst stadiums, it's always going to be Oakland. Um, and it, it's, it's bad. Like it's so bad that, well, I'm told the soda machine's no longer there. They don't even have a soda machine. But before it was RC Cola. That's all you need to know. Nice. And so, yeah, it was bad. Um, Washington and Pittsburgh, like Washington, you need a Sherpa. And like, you know, instead of like a soda fountain, they need like an oxygen bar um, because you were so high up there in Pittsburgh. Um, I hear the same about the new Texas one. Uh, but at least you're indoors. So I think there might be artificial gravity. Um, so, yeah, so it's, um, it, it's, but it's probably Oakland. Um, yeah. That's funny. Didn't, what did, uh, what did McCarthy say, J.A.? Didn't he say San Fran and, and Washington? Yeah. I know people crap all over Washington because you're right. It's, it's like 10,000 feet above sea level. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think, I think San Francisco. San Francisco. I think best. he did say. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think he said San Fran is best. It's too. beautiful. That's fine. Um, it's great. It's right behind home plate. It's down. You see Houston used to be like that. And then they moved it up. Um, and yeah, I hate Wrigley uh, too. Oh God. I could, I would press the button to blow that fucking place up. Um, everything except for the home clubhouse smells like piss everything in that place i'm not wrong am i brian i don't remember the smell of wrigley i liked wrigley when i was there so i it can't is, but i do remember the club is one very far open, from the dugout i will say yeah. that it is one open like urinal trough like that's what you know like when you go in and they have the trough which they do at wrigley that's what the whole freaking stadium smells like to me Oh, true story. I go down to the home clubhouse. They redid it. It's, it's like a club. It's ridiculous. But like, I go down there, and my first thing, and I said this just as a reaction. I didn't think about this. It's like, oh my god, it doesn't smell like urine in here, because the whole place stinks. And then you have to. There's like, from the press box, you have to go through the crowd to get to the clubhouse. And like most places, there's a back way not Wrigley. So it's actually nice when the Cubs win because people stay to sing that stupid fucking song and you can get halfway down the stairs before the song is over. If you're quick and it, it, it cuts down you on your time. It's all about me. Spoken like a true Cincinnati. I love Wrigley <laughs> growing up and going to it. Great place to visit. You don't want to live there. Like if I didn't go there like 10 times a year, I'd be all for it. Otherwise, I'll take the trop. Trop has a great press box. I love, I the, love trop. the trop. I love it. Down See there. that one coming. Uh, I just have two more for you. So you have a Hall of Fame vote, and I think are you still the BBWAA president right now? No, that was the one year thing. So that was okay. 
that was last year. This is my um, Hall of Fame notebook. I keep it right here. This is where I do all my like research and stuff. I write in it. That'll play well into the question. That's how yeah. it's nice. That's how it should be. Love so that. Like, you see these like little tabs. Like, yeah, you can see this tabs for like Kurt Schilling, Mike Bucina, Andrew Jones. I write on them. So I always have them. Manny, Edgar. I mean, it goes back. That's awesome. Helton. No, Larry Walker, number one. No messing around. See, that's that's amazing. It's a serious. I, yeah. I spend, I probably spend 100 hours a year on my Hall of Fame ballot. I love that. My my question that makes is, me feel very good. Who who's the one person that you voted for you really liked, but you felt like you were in the minority in that opinion? I mean, for a while it was um, it was Larry Walker. I was I was probably higher on Larry Walker than anybody because my thing with Larry Walker is there was like nothing on the field that Larry Walker couldn't do. You know, he was a plus base runner. Even like you know they changed those or they kind of added metrics later and like even late in his career he graded out when his speed was gone as one of the best base runners because he was so smart such a smart base runner could hit for power um, the year he led the the national league in home runs he hit more home runs away from course than he did at course um you know he hit for average he had just a hose um he was a good defender um Larry got in and, and, and I'm glad um, I'm a, I, I believe greatly that he deserved it. And I was on that. I was on that train for a long time. Um, you know, I haven't voted for Billy Wagner just because of the way I do it. But like, I think Billy Wagner, you look at Wagner and Hoffman and they're, they're, they're really similar. Um, I'm just looking at my list this year, I guess, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there, there's so many great players, and um, I usually vote for ten, uh, and, and and it just like I I would vote for more if I could, and and the BBWA asked to vote for more, um, and the Hall of Fame said no, so we did not make the rule of ten. We do not particularly like the rule of ten, uh, but I I see more than ten Hall of Famers on that ballot, most ballots. Yeah. Uh- uh, real quick, because I think this is very interesting, and I, I know we've been going for a while, but whatever is it? Is it mostly uh, like without giving away all your things right. for the Hall of Fame? Is it uh, purely like a stats thing, or do you take into account what you saw with your own eyes too? And that I, I take makes everything in. Yeah, I talk to I talk to like fellow players. I talk to um, scouts. I talk to coaches. I talk to a lot of people. I do the same thing with my MVP and Cy Young ballots where I, I talk to a lot of people. There's a lot of the stats involved. Um, I do a lot of research. I do, I do, I do a lot and it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. Um, but it's something in the end I enjoy. Um, it's a good thought experiment. And um, yeah, it's not just that. It's not just the numbers. I mean, some are easy, like, Oh, yeah, Ken Griffey yeah. Jr.? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to vote for Ken Griffey Jr. Although, funny story on that. So, um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and uh, so is Ken. So is Ken. So, in 2015, this was the year he was up, was when the, last, the, the new Star Wars started coming out. And he went to the premiere, and he sends me a text of him at the premiere. And I send, I send him 
a text back says motherfucker i haven't <laughs> turned in my hall of fame ballot if you spoil this for me i'm not voting for you <laughs> and he's like call me when you've seen it i go ken ken i'm going to a midnight show it's going to be three o'clock he says i don't care call me <laughs> so as god is my witness at three in the morning after watching the force awakens i call ken griffey jr and we talk for about an hour about star wars <laughs> that's phenomenal that's um, awesome that's a great story so yeah that's that's ken he's he's a good dude i um like last year at the hall of fame ceremony um there was a reception the night before and as bbwa president i was there and i was part of all that and i get in there and i'm just like i'm just gonna say hi to a couple people and shake hands make an appearance i do like the little receiving line with everybody and I feel a hand on my shoulder. He's like, Trent. And I look over, it's Ken. He's like, come here. And so I had dinner. Like dinner, it was me, Ken, Edgar Martinez, and Edgar's wife. And so we just talked for a couple hours there. Later, Barry Larkin comes over. Fergie <laughs> Jenkins does this. Frank Thomas comes over. Um it, it, I can't even remember who all came over and they're like guys who are, are just been like at one point I think Barry says to me and I, I know Barry pretty well Barry is just like or, or maybe it was Frank um they're like hey you're the only one who actually has a vote what do you think about this and I'm like <laughs> this is insane you know Ferguson <laughs> Jenkins is asking me what I think you know um it, it was it's it's pretty cool like it's it's one of the coolest parts of my life um like you, you know to, to to be able to do that um uh, the year that griffey got in um last year was a little different than everybody because covid everything um but still like having breakfast next to Derek jeter was interesting uh, in cooperstown <laughs> um uh, and and oh i had breakfast with mariano rivera and like a two hour breakfast with Mariano Rivera and Tony Clark, which was something. And, uh, but anyway, a couple of years ago, this is kind of how I, I sum it up. I, I, I will always tell the story. They would do like this um, kind of reception the night before the induction. And you're in the plaque room with all the plaques, you know, and I'm sitting there, I'm waiting behind Cal Ripken Jr. for a beer in line. Um, I see Randy Johnson pointing out his plaque to somebody. I look over and there is Juan Marichal and Pedro Martinez just in a corner talking. And I'm like, this is amazing. Um, I steer clear of George Brett because that's the only person I'm intimidated and scared. You know, that I actually like, would I do the um, Chris Farley, um, the Chris Farley show thing with George Brett. Um, and so I kind of got to go to this corner and Barry sees me. Barry's like, T what's up, bro. Barry, this is, this is weird. And he goes like, yeah, I know. I was like, Barry, Barry, I don't belong here. And he's like, bro, I don't belong here. Like Barry, fuck you. Look, that's you. That's your face in bronze. He's like, no, man, I, I, I don't belong here. And like, it's crazy to me that a guy like that, who, whose face was in bronze on the wall was still felt that way, looking around and, and seeing all these players. Um, it's, 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 it's a moment I'll never forget. 
Love and that. so, like, I think about that when I do my voting. I think about that. And, 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 and to be, this is not just me being a company man, but to be honest, the vast majority of voters do the same thing. Uh, there are some that are the loudest and the dumbest and, and, and most ridiculous that do not. And I'm not going to deny that they aren't there, but um, it's, it's tough. And it's like the, 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 you have to get 75%. Think about it. Like you get 75% of people to agree on anything. Like, it, 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 okay. Brian, think about this as easy. Like if you went around the clubhouse, do you think 75% of the pizza people in the clubhouse could agree if they were getting free pizza, what the fucking toppings would be like even something that silly, they're not going to agree to get 75%. Even though the answer is simply you get pe- you get pepperoni and cheese. Everybody's happy. I believe in that greatly <laughs> for a large group, but like to have an agreement, 75% is unbelievably difficult. And um, it's, it's weird to be a part of that group. Uh, but I take it very, very seriously, as I said. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think Brian's frozen, but uh, I, the Hall of Fame stuff's fascinating. I, I love good. Of, yeah. It's just, <laughs> I love the Hall of Fame debate. It's like my favorite time of the year is when we get to debate that. Uh, and, you know, I've been to the Hall of Fame twice. It's so cool. But I just have one last thing for you. So thank you so much for coming on the pod. Uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? <laughs> it's funny. It goes back to... Uh, my um, 10th grade English teacher and um, it's about writing. And she would say this all the time. You'd ask her like, Hey, Miss Caldwell, how long does this need to be? She says, you know, well-written she said a well-written story is like a woman's skirt. It's long enough to keep, to cover the subject and short enough to keep it interesting. And it's so funny. Like, <laughs> I think about that all the time. Like, and so that's kind of like, it's a, it's a, like a niche, like not life um, advice, but it's what I do. And so I think about that all the time, you know, like, Oh, this should be long enough to cover the subject short enough to keep it interesting. That's fantastic. That, that's all I had, Brian. I'm glad to see you're back. Yep. I came back. Sorry guys. My, my internet went out for a second there, but we, uh, I just, I was going to let you guys do your thing and finish it off. But Trent, man, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure having you on here and catching up. It's yeah. good to talk to you, buddy. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the off season, I, I'll try to go visit my sister and, and we'll catch up in Pensacola. There you go, man. If you uh, if you get down there, let me know. I will glad, gladly take you out to breakfast or, or something down there. We'll, yeah, we'll have to. Most so, definitely. For sure. I, I probably will be there this off season. So. Cool. Let's, uh, so you let's got my number. Out. Shoot me text. All right, All right buddy. Good. We'll have a good one. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.